Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anybody have a job they hate? Anybody have a job they love to hate? Anybody have a job they love? (laughs) You know, I'm sure if you are in a job you love, um, it hasn't always been that way. And my guess is if you're in a job you love to hate, it hasn't always been that way either. Um, Work is something that we spend an awful lot of time doing. I mean, once we grow up, and we're always in a hurry to grow up, and then we get here and we wonder why we're in such a hurry, right? Um, and then we're in a hurry to, you know, get the kids out the house, and we're in a hurry to get them back, and then we're in a hurry to get them out again, and then we're in a hurry to retire, and, and so on. So we're always in a hurry, and we're, we're never really good at being present in where we're at. And if we're honest, work consumes a lot of our time. And it consumes a lot of our mental energy. It consumes a lot of of us and who we are. And the church oftentimes has been really poor at addressing the issue of work, of labor. Um, If anything, the church has said, you know, what you need to do at work is share your faith with people. And that's what you need to do, uh, which is basically trying to turn everybody into a preacher like me, apparently. Um, a lot of times in Christian circles, uh, there's this dichotomy of work where we think that the work that really matters to God are people who have, you know, they're the missionaries. Uh, the, the church that I grew up at, missionaries were like the ultimate. They were held up in high esteem. Like if you were willing to leave everything behind and, and sell all you had and go to Africa, uh, go to, you know, South America, go somewhere far away and take the gospel with you. And you were like super Christian, you know, they would like take off their shirt and there'd be a big S, uh, SC for super Christian. Um, and those were the people that God really liked. And then next would be the pastors. And that's why I became a pastor because I got wanted God to really like me. <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? Um, and, and, and we thought, you know, the people who, whose job it is to be full-time ministry, uh, those are the jobs that really matter. And, and then there's kind of a pecking order from that even sometimes, and, and especially in our culture, how, how we reward people. I mean, there's NFL superstars, and then there's Major League Baseball players. <laughs> well, I mean, on pay scale, right? <laughs> or there's movie stars, and there's... No, I can't be that way, but... Uh, If you look at how people are compensated for their work, my sister on Facebook the other day, she was upset because uh, the NFL draft got a lot of of airtime, at least on the NFL network. Uh, You know, you could watch it nonstop and you could watch highlights of these young guys and if they're going to pan out in the NFL or not. And they're going to sign for tens of millions of dollars out of the first round and they've never played it down in the NFL. And my sister was irritated by that. Uh, because she's a teacher, and teachers don't get drafted, and they don't get paid tens of millions of dollars. Neither do preachers. <laughs> and it's interesting how uh, she was upset that our culture has some of our, 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 our priorities a little messed up. The people who spend a lot of time uh, teaching children don't get paid very well. Um, people who, who clean up after the rest of us don't get paid very well. 
And sometimes there's this, this upside down uh, way of, of life and the way that we value things. A guy who throws a football 60 yards gets paid tens of millions of dollars. While the person who shows up at your house when your sewer backs up is always way too well paid, right? When that bill comes. Strange how our priorities work. And if you look at Ecclesiastes, which we've been doing, Ecclesiastes has a tendency to look at all of life under the sun. And that phrase, life under the sun, reminds us that he's looking at life the way that uh, an atheist or a pagan would look at life. Somebody who doesn't believe in God. Or, at the very least, a practical atheist. Somebody who, who believes in God, but God is really far away, and doesn't really matter to my life, and doesn't really matter to the world. And, and so the, the teacher, the professor, the philosopher in Ecclesiastes, Kohelet, looks at these different elements of life. And if you remember the beginning of the book, he starts out by giving his thesis, and he says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And I read this past week that the book of Ecclesiastes is not so much like an answer book. It's more like a bath. Uh, It's a bath to to scrub you clean. It's a bath to to get all of our misconceptions about what life is and what's meaningful and and really why we exist on planet Earth. And it's there to just kind of scrub that all away. And it does it in a not-so-gentle way. Because honestly, we believe a lot of nonsense. We think a lot of things that aren't correct. And when it comes to the area of work, of of labor, we've got a lot of bad ideas. Now, before you get all depressed and think, I'm just going to quit today and not show up tomorrow, and some of you might, (laughs) me included. (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe. Um, It's meaningless, meaningless. Let's read what... Kohelet has to say about labor. In chapter 3, and it's difficult to find a place because he comes back to this issue several times in the book. And the reason he comes back to this several times is because it's something that we do regularly, is work. Now, if you're retired and you're thinking, I can just zone out this one, you're right, so feel free. (laughs) But the rest of us, the rest of us need to wrestle with work. In chapter 2, excuse me, verse 17. Anybody feel this way on Monday mornings? So I hated life. Anybody ever feel that way? So I hated life. You know, sometimes people ask me, oh, I feel bad because I, 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 I feel like I don't like my life. Um, the Bible's a really great resource to go to when you have feelings that you don't know what to do with them. Because 3,000 years ago, God knew that people would wake up on Monday mornings and go, oh, I hate Mondays. And so, you know, just in case you're wondering if anybody ever felt that before. So I hated life because, now that's always important, why does he hate life? The work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Anybody ever feel like that? The work done under the sun was grievous to me. Something worth grieving over. Something worth mourning. Like Monday morning. 
beep, 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 beep. Uh, I hate my life. I mean, even if you like your work, you still don't like that alarm clock telling you it's Monday and you got to be somewhere, right? All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Anybody ever feel that way? If you work with middle schoolers, you feel that way. <laughs> if you are a, a mom and you don't get paid well for your work, and your cha- a poopy diaper gets poopy again, it is a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. Now that's an interesting spin because it's not I hated, for, I hated my toiling. I hated all the things I toiled for. <laughs> Why do we work? I just, uh, there's nothing better to do. Because <laughs> everybody does it. Because I'm supposed to. Because somebody's got to pay for all this stuff. And it's interesting because we have become what one psychologist says, prosumers. Prosumers, because we work and we work and we work. And what do we get rewarded for all our work? We get rewarded in money. And in fact, if our employer came and said, hey, I have an option. Uh, You can either work for the same amount of money but work less hours. Or you can work more hours and get more money. Most of us would pick, I'm going to pick the more hours, more money. Instead of the less hours, same money, more time off. Most of us would pick the more money option with the more hours attached to it because we want more stuff. And then when we get more stuff, we hate that stuff. I mean, not for a while. We just sold some stuff at a garage sale because that's the stuff that we decided we hated. It's the stuff we toiled for. And at one time, it's like, oh, we got to have that. That's the new shiny need something. <laughs> Our children need that for Christmas because it's neat, shiny. Ooh, it's new. It's improved. And guess what? New and improved came out again. And we hated what we had and we had to have the new. And so we have garage sales. And we have sayings like, one man's garbage is another man's treasure. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Probably that's more because of the alliteration. And we take these things that we once loved and we, we start to, ah, I need to get rid of some of this stuff. And that's what Kohelet is saying here. All this stuff you toil for. Eventually you you go, man, why do I have so much stuff? Like every time you move, that's a question you ask. In fact, next time I move, I'm leaving it all. (laughs) I'm just walking away naked from the house. Because I'm going to be like 84 and I'll be delirious and nobody will care. (laughs) Because we're staying that long. Let's see what Kohelet says. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. Now why? Why does he hate them? 
He hates them a little differently than I do. He says this, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. (laughs) See, I'm so young that I'm not thinking about that yet. Some of you are thinking about that. Who you're going to leave your stuff to. And some families get torn up because of the stuff that gets left to them. My uncle, he, he's, he's got three sons, and he collects guns. And so he's bought three of every gun he's ever bought so that the boys don't fight over the guns. So he's got a lot of guns. And the boys aren't going to fight, apparently. At least not over guns. They'll all be well-armed over the other things. Because <laughs> he didn't buy three of each car or three of each home, but... All of our stuff will be left. As that old saying goes, there's no U-Hauls that follow hearsts. All of this stuff that you've toiled for, that you have accumulated, will one day be left for somebody else. And listen to what Kohelet says. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. (laughs) I mean, some of us know, right? Because we look at our kid and we're like, I don't think I should leave him that gun. That'd be, that'd be bad. We look at other people's kids and we're like, yeah, they should definitely not. <laughs> Yet they will have control over all the toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. Doesn't that just irritate you? You've worked and you've worked and you've strived. You strive and you develop skills and abilities. And then it's all just going to be left here for somebody else. And who knows whether they're going to be wise with it or foolish with it. Some of you have businesses and you know you don't have a sign. You don't have a child that's going to take over that business. And some of you do have a child, and you're like, oh, dear. (laughs) And some of you have taken over the family business. Some of you created a family business. Who's going to take it over after after you've died? It's meaningless. (laughs) In fact, that's what he says. This, too, is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For people may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to others who have not toiled for it. This too is meaningless. Well, let's close in prayer. <laughs> you know, I asked my accountant for a uh, itemized bill, a receipt for my taxes this year. I might share this, if not if I did, tough. You're, I, I have the microphone. <laughs> and did you know that this happens before you die? That what you toil for goes to other people? It's called taxes. So on my tax bill, the first person listed was my grandma. Because she's 90-something. And she gets Social Security. And the next person on my tax bill was my dad because he's 68 and he gets (coughs) social security slackers (laughs) and the next person on my bill was save the whales 
I don't know why that got so much, but it did. <laughs> it starts even before we die. That what we're toiling for is given to somebody else. It's meaningless. <laughs> Where's the incentive to work so hard? If the reason you're working is so you can be a prosumer because Americans spend more time shopping than any people on the face of the earth ever. And the reason we're able to shop is because we have jobs and we go shopping and we come be prosumers and we get more stuff and the stuff that we get will be left for somebody else. And who knows whether they'll be wise or foolish. Oh, man. Despair is easy to have set in, isn't it? And especially if you have a job you hate. I mean, it's really easy to despair. <laughs> I mean, we're working so hard for stuff that we're going to leave to somebody else. Well, hopefully there's some better messages in here. Let's skip over to chapter 4 and see what he has to say there. Chapter 4, verse 4. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. All? All of a person's achievements of toil springs from, of, of, from envy of other people? We, we have a word for that, or we have a phrase for this. We call it keeping up with the Joneses, right? Because that's a nice way of saying envy. That's a nice way of saying, I want that. They got that and I want it. Uh, but I want mine to be better. And you see, this is the state America finds itself in. Is consumerism has taken hold of our hearts and of our minds. And we work so hard so we get more stuff. And yet we're just going to leave it behind. I hope this thing gets a little better here. Nope, this too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. <laughs> well, you might think Kohelet is a little down on work. Of course, he was a king and he had a lot of leisure time and he'd do whatever he wanted, right? Which, honestly, we would all like to be that, a king or a queen, and do whatever we want. We're always stuck in this tension of how to manage our, our work because we must work. We have to work. We, we need to work so we can have money. And we take that money to buy things that we want and that we, we need. And there's always this tension. And part of the tension that we feel is... In America, we have this tendency to ask people when we first meet them, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> That's the American version of who are you? Because if we know what they do, then we're able to establish them in the pecking order of life. What do you do? I'm a professional football player. Really? You must be somebody. What do you do? 
I'm a pastor. Oh, jeez. I mean, if you want a conversation killer, if there's people you don't want to talk to on an airplane, just tell them that. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Okay. Good idea. Again. Or a politician. No, I don't say that. What do you do? Because in our culture, we have substituted human beings for human doings. And the measure of people's worth in our society is often what they do, not who they are. And we fall into this all the time, even as followers of Jesus. I know some stay-at-home moms that struggle with being a stay-at-home mom. Not because it's not good, purposeful, meaningful work, but because when they get asked the question, what do you do? I stay at home with my children. <laughs> really? You must have a lot of free time on your hands. <laughs> you see, we think oftentimes that what we do is who we are. And not only do we think that, we believe it. I mean, we actually believe that what we do is who we are. Men especially struggle with this. They, they get so much of their self-worth, their self-esteem from what they do. And it leads to being a, a workaholic. In fact, I've conducted funerals. And often when I do conduct a funeral, I meet with the family beforehand. And I can't tell you how many times that the family has said he was a good, hard worker. He was a good hard worker. She was a good hard worker. And you know where my mind goes when I hear that? Ecclesiastes. <laughs> you know, all that they toiled for. I guess you guys get a divvy up. Lucky you. All that they toiled for. It was meaningless. And if that's the best you can say about somebody or the best said about you when you die, you are good hard worker? <laughs> I'm sure that's the first question they ask at the pearly gates. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm a good hard worker. Got that going for me. <laughs> I mean, those French people, they're toast at the pearly gates, right? Because their work hours <laughs> like 25, 30 hours a week. None of those people can say, I'm a good hard worker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, our culture looks down on European cultures because of that. Because they have a shorter work week. My cousin lives in Austria and he works in Austria. He gets six to eight weeks off every year. Not because he's a good hard worker, but because the government says he must take six to eight weeks off a year. Do you know how envious I am of that sometimes? I'm not envious of the 50% tax rate, but I'm a little envious that he gets that kind of time off. And yet there's some pride in me that says, what a wuss. <laughs> he only works a 35, 40 hour work week and gets six to eight weeks off. Huh. <laughs> I mean, in our culture, especially in rural America, there's something to be said for, you know, I get up with the sun <laughs> and I go down with I don't know what you go down with. Because some people just work and work and work and work and work and work. 
And Kohelet says, what you're doing is meaningless. You see, if you're, if you're an atheist, if you don't believe in God, if there's no reason to work other than for the stuff you're going to acquire, or the, the security the money will give, what happens when the money runs out? What happens when you can no longer work anymore? Because some of you, that's happened to you. And you had to find a new definition for yourself. You had to find a new answer to the question. So what do you do? You had to reevaluate. And that will happen to all of us. All of us, if Jesus tarries long enough, all of us will get to a point where our bodies or our minds fail us. And the question that is answered, what do you do? We'll have to change our answer. I spent some time with Noel Sullivan this past week. And the answer for Noel all these years has been, I'm a pastor. I minister to people. I go and I visit people who are sick and in the hospital. I preach sermons. And you know what's happened to Noel lately because of cancer? I mean, when we get cancer, that's what we start answering is, what do you do? I have cancer. Because fighting cancer becomes a full-time job. And there are many Sundays that Noel wakes up and he feels like he can't preach. He can't even go to church. And there are many days that somebody is in his congregation, he should visit them, but he can't because he doesn't feel well. Or he's got an appointment in Sterling. And for Noel and for many others who have experienced cancer, the answer to the question, what do you do, changes. It's interesting, whenever I've spent time with people who have been touched by cancer, they do sit around and they think a lot and they come up with different answers to these questions. Instead of answering the question, what do you do, they start to look really hard at who am I? You know, there was one doctor that called cancer America's sabbatical, America's day off. Because we work ourselves to death. Japan probably has as good of a work ethic as America does. And they actually have a word in Japanese that translated into English is worked to death. Because it is a new phenomenon. It is actually a medical condition in Japan that people are literally the cause of death, work to death. <laughs> and they get up at the funeral. And he's a good worker. I've never had the guts to read this passage at a funeral, and it was all meaningless. But it is. Now, what's going to save us here? I mean, we got to wake up tomorrow. We got to go to jobs. We got to do stuff that we don't want to do, that the man's telling us to do, right? I mean, tomorrow is going to happen unless Jesus comes back. Please, come back. <laughs> but if Jesus doesn't come back, you're going to have to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to have to go back to work. What is going to help us here because it's meaningless what, what is going to give us motivation? What is going to energize us for the work that waits for us tomorrow morning? Now remember, this is a bath. You've been scrubbed down. 
you've got some dirty, stupid thinking in your brain. I work so I can have more stuff, so I can leave it for somebody later on in life. I work so that I can have more. I work so that I can have meaning, so I can have purpose. I work because that's who I am. I work because my dad worked and told me I should work. I work because if that's not good enough, if those aren't good enough answers to work, what is? And by the way, Christianity, the Christian faith, the scriptures have better answers for working than any other worldview does. Why do you think the work ethic that we have in America exists here and not in other parts of the world? It's because of our Judeo-Christian values. It's because of the scriptures that God values work. In fact, when you read in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. That was his work. He was really good at it. It Took him only a few days actually just spoke it into existence. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have that ability? <laughs> you're a doctor and you're at work. Be healed. <laughs> hey, I feel so much better, Doc. <laughs> That'll be $10,000. Uh, <laughs> or a teacher. <laughs> be smart. <laughs> e equals MC squared. You know what I mean? How cool would that be? Or, or you're a uh, custodial engineer, like I was for many years at a church. Be clean. <laughs> How cool would that be? That's an ability God has. And if you ever think he's, he's impressed with your work, just remember the work he's able to accomplish. Because if work and how good you're at it, are at it, is on the exam, <laughs> it, 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 it would be like, you know, if art is on the exam and all you have is doodles from when you're like one month old. <laughs> there you go, God. This is my masterpiece. <laughs> He's like, please. You see, if, if work is on the exam, if that's what gets us into heaven, if that's what makes us right with God, if, if that's what gives us value, we are in sorry straits. We are relying on something that is meaningless and purposeless and will never <laughs> make us who we are to be. But God values work. God values all work that is, is beneficial and good. God values that. But he doesn't value it to the point that that's all you are and all you should be doing. In fact, in the scriptures, God commanded a day off. You got to like a God who commands a day off. You got to. In fact, he took the enslaved people, enslaved people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And, and you might have seen the movie. And, and they were slaves. They had slave masters, taskmasters. They had to work all the time. They had to get certain jobs done, certain quotas met. And they were whipped, and they were beaten, and they were driven. And God knew this about the people, and he rescued them out of there. And he had to tell them, take a day off, or else. He had to say it that way. And guess what? Some of you need to hear God tell you it that way. Because some of us are workaholics and we just work all the time. Why? Because that's who we are. That's what we do. It's what gives me purpose. It's what gives me value. It's why people like me is I get stuff done. And if that's why you're doing it, 
Oh, get off the treadmill. Get out of the hamster wheel. Find better reasons to work. Here's one. The Apostle Paul, one of his letters says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you have to do when you wake up tomorrow morning, picture Jesus as your boss. And how would that change your work day? <laughs> Some of us have Jesus as our boss. <laughs> All of us have Jesus as our boss. Because we sing these songs, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the boss. In American language, that would be boss of bosses. CEO of CEOs. But that doesn't sound good when you sing it. You see, whatever you do, do it as unto Christ. Now, for some of us, that might make us work harder. Because maybe we don't work as hard as we should. My guess is most of us don't have that problem. And for some of us, it might actually lead to us being healthier in our work. Why would that be the case? Because Jesus would say, you know, there's more to life than work. You know, those young kids you got at home? Who are you going to cheat? Your boss or your kids? Who are you going to cheat? Your boss or your wife? Who are you going to cheat? Because somebody had the job you have before you had it. Even if you started a business, somebody probably had a, a business similar to it before you had it. But nobody had your job as dad or mom before you had it. And who are you going to cheat? You see, the interesting thing is, that's where Kohelet ends up. Because when you read the next part of chapter 4, he says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. Yet, his eyes were not content with his wealth. You know what he's picturing here is somebody who just dies rich and alone. You see, ultimately, he's saying relationships are what matter. Community is what matters. Sadly, many of us find that out way too late. So I, I beg you, I plead with you. What steps can you take in your work to get healthier in your work? What steps can you take? For some of you, that means you need to take a day off once every six days. Well, we'll get it done. I don't know. Maybe God will help you. Since it's his idea to take, you know what? I've heard preachers say, the devil never takes a day off. Well, who do I want to be like? The devil or God? Because God took, took a day off. And if we're supposed to be like Christ, then it seems I should take a day off instead of being like the devil who doesn't take a day off. I mean, I'm pretty sure none of you want to have the devil talking to you on Sunday mornings, right? 
Maybe some of you need to take time off. Maybe some of you need to quit looking to your work for your meaning and your purpose and your being and your value. Because that can only come from Christ. I mean, what do retirees look to? What they did? What they accomplished? (laughs) That reminds me of all the times that guys get together and they talk about what they accomplished in high school sports. And when I was in high school, I was a really good athlete. Well, I could totally outrun you right now. <laughs> I'm not even that felt. I mean, those are glory days. And they'll pass you by. I heard it on a song. And if you look to Christ for your meaning and your purpose and your value, no matter what befalls you, no matter what is taken from you mentally, physically, no matter what is ripped apart from your life, you will always have Christ. Because Romans says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our boss, our Lord. Nothing. Now that is something to count on. So I ask you, are you chasing after the wind? Or are you chasing Christ? Which is it you're chasing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have blessed us with work. All work is good. That is helpful to others. That is ministering to others. That brings about beauty and order and create creativity. All work is good. Help us to understand that. But help us to understand the place of work. That is not to be all-consuming. That it is not who we are. That it does not define us. That it is only there. It is only there to give us the opportunity to serve and to ultimately serve you. So I pray, Father, for each person here, whatever industry they find themselves in, government, teaching, accounting, farming, ranching, small business owner, whatever we find ourselves in doing, spending a lot of mental energy thinking about and a lot of time worrying and a lot of time robbing our relationships. Father, I pray that you would help us to find a good place to live and exist in this tension. Holy Spirit, make it so. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. More than that, may he give you purpose and value and meaning, not because of your human doing, because of you being a human being, being made in the image of God. Amen.